This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown podcast, podcast of which took last week off, quite a bit going on, um, both personally and across the country, and I just didn't think or feel comfortable talking about the Browns last week, and um, that's okay, you know, that's okay. Sometimes it's, it's, it's fine to, to let those things that are more important in life take precedence, and it didn't feel right. You know, and I think that this is the right time to kind of start talking about sports a little bit now. Some great things going on in this country. I hope you're participating. I am participating. Um, and I just hope at the end of the day, everybody's treating everybody with the respect they deserve. And um, hope some people are finding peace. That's, that's really what I, I hope that this, this, this whole thing can mean movement in the right direction through actions. And uh, some people who need peace can find peace and we can support each other. That's what I hope. Um, but we got a great podcast for you that we're going to talk about the Browns. Okay. We're going to try to shift our focus to the Browns. Uh, before we do so, I'm going to talk to you again about betonline.ag. Been doing it for months. They're our exclusive partner here at Blue Wire. Sports slowly making their way back. Betonline.ag has you covered with everything NASCAR, UFC, boxing, soccer matches. You can bet on all of them. Still simulated NFL, NBA, UFC. All those are available. The NBA will be making its way back soon. So get ahead of the curve. Go over to betonline.ag. Check out the casino games, poker tournaments, whatever. Put your money in now. Get that great welcome bonus that's not super difficult to unlock, right? Very easy to unlock and use that. Bet now. Get ahead. Get in before the NBA season kicks off. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, which is fantastic. Us here at BLUEWIRE, betonline.ag. Make sure you get over there. Use that promo code and get your action going. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Okay, get there. Now, over to the podcast. I'm going to welcome in Jordan Zerm. You know him. Very well here with Blue Wire. He's a social editor for the Checkdown. If you follow his Twitter page, he does great work for them. Some really great videos that he puts up. Uh, focus on the NFL, all teams. I know. I know he likes to do a little bit more with the Browns. You know, when we can, they keep it interesting. Um, so we're going to welcome in Jordan, and we are going to dive right into a really fun um, little angle here on the on the most valuable or most important, kind of the same synonymous words there. Uh, most valuable, most important players for the Browns on both sides of the football equating to winning this year. So let's welcome in Jordan. Jordan, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good, man. It's always um, 
always good to talk to you. Always good to, uh, to reconnect with you and, and uh, talk to the Browns. It makes me feel a little bit closer to my Cleveland roots whenever I get to do this. So, um, yeah, man. Yeah, things are good, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course. We've had you on for the important stuff. We did some crossovers back when you were hosting on the network. We did. We did. Uh, I think the Freddie hiring and the uniform unveil this year. So, um, we, you know, we don't have to do, like, crazy stuff. We can just do – you know the candid conversation. So, let's talk about these 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 important players. We're gonna do a little another caveat here before we start. We're gonna eliminate Baker Mayfield and we're gonna eliminate Miles Garrett. Those are the obvious names who are very important on both sides of the football. And we're gonna go through guys who I think contribute the most, have to have successful seasons to contribute the most to winning in in 2020. So um, I'm going to let Jordan lead off. We'll talk offense first and then shift over to defense. We'll just have a little back and forth, see how our lists compare. And then, uh, you know, we'll see where it takes us and have an idea by the end of this of guys we think are going to really impact winning for the 2020 Browns. So Jordan, you're up, my man. Offense, lead off, most important player to the offense outside of Baker Mayfield. All right. So, yeah, when you gave me this prompt, I was thinking about this. I'm running through the offense. I'm thinking – you know, who are these guys? And I, I, I didn't want to, you know, we took Baker out and I still didn't really want to go with, you know, an obvious, the second name that pops up is going to be Odell. And I didn't even want to go with that because I feel like he, like, obviously Odell um, is going to benefit the Browns greatly from having a huge season. But I was trying to think like more on a, a super important level, especially on the level where they struggled last year. And so for me, like, I think about Jedrick Wills, like I really do um, as somebody that I think is going to be crucial to the Browns success for a couple of reasons. And obviously one is, you know, he's, he's going to replace Greg Robinson and we all sort of understand and watched uh, Greg Robinson struggle um, last year after Greg showed, I, I don't know if you want to call it a flash at the end of the 2018 season or whatever it was. It obviously was not sort of sustainable that level of play um, on the left side of the line. So I, I think just shoring up that, that spot, that offensive line spot, because so much of what the Browns were unable to do last season was a direct product of, of the offensive line, not giving Baker time to protect, making Baker feel like he needed to leave the pocket early. Just a lot of those things were a direct result from the offensive line. And I think another reason it's going to be so important for Jedrick to sort of step in immediately, um, like the Browns obviously think he can do they you know taking him with their um their first round pick in this this past draft is he's also going to have to you know move sides of the line um after you know spending most of his time at Alabama on the right side and so you know that's another thing that I think is going to be crucial especially when you know they have not really had the time because of the the pandemic to sort of even get their hands on him yet the Browns uh coaching staff and and Bill Callahan like it just hasn't happened so they don't really know on the field what it looks like yet for him to sort of switch over. I know obviously he's played the left side kind of coming up playing football before, but um, to me, you know, obviously the importance is there with where they selected him. Um, he was a guy that, you know, we've seen in one of the episodes of building the Browns, how much, how much time they spent with him. He was obviously a guy that they had circled and it feels more just, it was more a pick than just, Oh, he's the offensive lineman that sort of left right here. Let's go get him. Like that was, I think that was their guy and for him to be able to come in and and shore up that left side of the line um is going to be huge and so I think for that reason for me he really like just hopped into my head as a guy that is going to be just incredibly important to the Browns offensive success um this coming season 
For sure. I think if you, I guess this is where you quantify the difference, the, the splitting hairs between valuable and important, because typically those two go pretty hand in hand. And um, if, if Jedrick struggles, if he has real issues and that switch is not like, I'm not expecting him to dominate this year or even be good. I'm kind of just hoping for average. Uh, I think that if you can get average out of him at that position in a transition year, that'd be great. Most rookie tackles don't play all too well anyway, um, but he is the type that could break that mold. So you hope for the type of rookie season that his new teammate, right tackle, right? Jack Conklin had an all pro season his rookie year. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where it falls, but I do know that he's in my top five. He is not my number one, but he is in there. And uh, for, for a lot of those reasons you mentioned, you know, helping solidify Baker's feeling, all of those things that are important in a tackle. He's actually my number three. Uh, so when my number three comes up, I will mention I had Jedrick. But, yeah, I, I, I echo so many of your sentiments there, man, that if he does not play well, it could be a tough year, right? It could be a really tough year for Baker. And a lot of some, you know, a lot of those things that popped up last year could pop up again. And all of a sudden it's a weird spot to be in. So this pick is, is obviously important for the Browns to shore up the immediate, but it's a big part of the future. And hopefully they can meet in the middle with getting, uh, you know, at least average play out of Jed this year. I went with Odell. Um, I, I think that, for a couple of reasons. If he was truly held back by injury last year, like he says, and I thought he played well enough, then um, I'm really excited, man, to see what he looks like if he's not held back. Because I think he's he's still really special, still really dynamic, and this offense is built for him. You know, long downfield running type of routes that allow him to make a double move with time for the quarterback to sort of set up deep pockets off play action and give him a chance to thrive. You give that guy a chance to make a defender have to jump one way and then move the other way, he's really difficult to defend. I mean, just sort of the fluidity in and out of cuts. But, like, also if it doesn't go well for them this year, Odell uh, misses a significant portion of games or whatever, then it starts to get really weird with that contract, right? Like, two years into that experiment, do you even get – you know, I hate to look at it in a negative light. Do you even get, like, a, like a third or fourth round pick out of a deal for him at that point? Like – and then you would hate for it to turn into a Randy Moss Raider situation, you know, where, where he's traded and thrives somewhere else. You trade him to friggin' New England for, of all places or something like that, and he goes crazy. So it's just an important year for Odell, and I think he's a really important cog in this offense. If you watched Minnesota, who, who you know, they didn't throw it a ton, obviously, but they, they, they found Stephon Diggs and plenty of opportunities for him. And I think that that's the same sort of role that Odell will, will hopefully be able to fill this year. And I think he's wildly important if, um, you know, if not even as important as Baker, in my opinion, because, you know, when you're looking at uh, the need for somebody in this offense to lift the lid, he's going to be that guy who's going to lift the lid and can do a, a couple different things that they need that exposition player to do. So that's my, that's my number one. Who's two for you? Um. Yeah, before I even get to number two, I mean, I 100% like very much um, agree with you. And I think um, essentially Odell was going to kind of be my, my number two as well. So I can kind of I'll just quickly touch on that before we can kind of bounce over to bounce over to three. Because, yeah, I think, you know, you you touched on a lot of really great points. And something for me, too, is like, OK, held back by an injury, I think also held back by a a lack of kind of creativity in, in getting him the ball, especially in the red zone. And we don't need to rehash how uh, infuriating their red zone offense was last year. But, um, you know, I think there's going to, there will hopefully be the combination of Odell being healthy, Odell being in Cleveland for a second year and feeling a little more comfortable. 
Um, and then kind of Kevin Stefanski's offense, hopefully catering to, you know, his skill set. And, you know, I, I've been going back intermittently um, and, you know, just rewatching some of his, you know, highlights from, from last season. And like, I think we look at last season in such a negative light, but like still some of the things he did and some of the catches that he made, not only obviously, you know, he, the one hand and then catch and run that he made against the jets really early on. Um, but you know, even one against, he had a catch against Cincinnati at the end of the season where he sort of just went up behind a defender in the end zone and snagged down the end, uh, out of the air and came down with two feet. Like he still does these really just incredible things. And I don't really think that that got talked about at all because of how disappointing the season was because he did have probably more drops this season. I think I was reading today that his um, catch percentage was probably as low as it's been since, um, you know, in, in over the last few years. So like he definitely struggled in some areas and the Browns didn't probably I don't think they target him nearly as much as he's used to being targeted. So like, there's a lot of things, but I think if you just look at him, like he is to me, you use the word fluid. I think it's the perfect word. He's like the most fluid athlete. I think I've, I've ever seen, like when he catches the ball in space, the way he can move his body and sort of just go wherever he wants is just not something you see from a lot of um, just athletes in general. Like he, he really does have a gift. And if the Browns can't figure out a way to, make him a a focal part of their offense then it's going to be more than just an Odell issue it's going to be a a huge kind of organizational issue and then you're right like it would be I think the conversation around him and his future with the Browns or whatever or whatever it may be becomes very kind of muddled and I I think that's sort of going to be a worst case scenario so I agree with you it's a huge it's a huge year for Odell and I think as he goes the offense goes too and so we'll uh, we'll see, but yeah, he he would definitely slot in for for my number two there. Okay, so you have uh, Jedrick Wills, and then you go to Odell as number two. I am going to um, switch it up, and and uh, again, I, I don't think I did a great job here, Jordan, of 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 saying whether we're doing important or valuable. Like I I, I don't really even know what we're doing. We're just naming guys who are important just, to winning. I think and, yeah, I think like. Those two words, like you said, those two words can kind of be married because like if you're, you're valuable inherently, if you're valuable, you're going to be important as well. I think maybe we're skewing a little towards important. Um, and I think that's okay because I think important was they, they couldn't figure out who was important to this offense last year. They couldn't figure out what their identity was. So I think that using maybe the word important a little more than valuable, even though I think there are some overlapping characteristics of both is, is sort of how this has kind of played out. But I mean, yeah, I think, you know, just naming the guys that are going to be, you know, we expect if they have good years, the Browns offense should flourish, hopefully. Okay. That last sentence you said is important because number two might not necessarily fit that because he had a great year last year. Um, Even when you're doing these lists, I found myself talking through this and going like, Oh yeah. That Nick Chubb guy, I think he's important, and I oh, keep forgetting about him. It's like it's like easy to forget about him in general. Like, and I, I I guess I say that in the most respectful way possible because he's so good at his job that it's like, oh, he'll be fine. He's gonna play well. I'm not worried about him. But when you're looking at a list that you're saying who is the most important or who is the most valuable um, to the Browns and, and is a biggest contributor to winning, what we expect if they play well, they will win. That's where it gets a little tough because he played, like I said. He played well last year, played well in his rookie year. They didn't win as much as we thought. But I do find Nick Chubb extremely valuable, and I find him more so valuable this year than ever in his career. 
um, because if you know anything about Stefanski, now this is an important point too, Jordan, where I think this has kind of gotten lost in translation. I did a pod a week or two ago about misconceptions about this offense. I don't know how heavy the run commit was due to um, Zimmer. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if there was a mandate on Stefanski like, hey, man, we have a really good defense here, and we are going to do as much as we can to eliminate Kirk Cousins defeating us. And uh, I guess not, not saying – I have more respect for Kirk than saying it that way. Um, putting too much pressure on Kirk's shoulder. So um, what they did was play ball control football a lot. And now they were good enough and, and obviously were very good um, at running the football in a variety of ways. Most importantly, we hear talked about is this wide zone stuff that people, um, you know, love to talk about. And I've broken it down and I know smarter people than me have broken it down is, is, is just how important it will be for Nick to get a bulk of carries because he is extremely comfortable in this offensive structure. As we know, we've seen him run outside zone in a, in a different sort of way with the Browns last year. They did a lot of it from the gun, but, um, this this zone read type of system, he's very good at it. He's just extremely good, and it's like if you've run an offense for two years where he's almost found a thousand yards in half a season, then he goes for the second most yards in the NFL last year, and it didn't totally feel like the offense was really structured around how can we get Nick Chubb loose. Then think about how much better he could be when he is the focal point, right? And now Kareem Hunt will have a role, and and maybe even a third back will have a role. I don't know who that could be. Keep an eye on Benny LeMay, the Charlotte kid, the UDFA. Um, I, I don't know how much they'll split carries, and, and Kareem Hunt's never really played in this type of offense. I don't know what that backup role will look like, but I expect Nick Chubb to get a ton of carries, and we already know his baseline for how good he is. Pro Football Focus considers him their most elusive back, maybe even the best back in the NFL um, if you if you take away the optics and look at the tape. And I agree, and I think he's just extremely good. Like I could see that guy having – he is so durable, knock on wood. He's so – he has so much stamina, endurance, longevity to how he plays that you could see him going for 1,600 yards this year and, and, and 12, 13, 14, 15 touchdowns. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility for me, especially if the offensive line kicks, you know, clicks under Callahan. So I think the thing that, you know, leading into this thing is what makes me feel like it's going to happen is they're commit. What the evidence I have with Stefanski is he's committed to the run game. He's extremely committed to it. The Vikings ran the ball the most in the NFL on second and long situations. Like even when data tells you, Hey, we should probably throw here. They're still running the football. They're very committed to it. And I think Nick's a vital piece of this whole thing. And I, I, I know he will perform well, have a really great feeling about it. And I think he's extremely valuable to what they're going to be implementing here heavily in the, in the upcoming year. Yeah, no, I, uh, for sure. I think, yeah, we, it is sometimes easy to forget about Nick Chubb just because like, I do think his, his very quiet personality plays into that. He's just not a guy that reminds you he's there very often, especially when the, when the season is, uh, is not going on. And then you see him, you know, squatting 7 million pounds. You're like, all right, that dude is an absolute tank. So, um, yeah, no, Nick Chubb, I think, is going to play a huge role in the offense, obviously, like you said. And I think that sort of is the theme also for for my number three is a, a guy that I think is going to play a huge role in the offense too and um, a newcomer to the Browns. But I, I think Austin Hooper is incredibly important to this offense. Um, you, you mentioned how committed the Vikings were to the run. Um, a lot has been written by you, by others, about – you know, Stefanski and the use of his tight ends and, you know, how often he used the two tight end set. And 
um, it would be you would assume that that a lot of that offense is going to come back over uh, with him to to Cleveland. And I even going back to 2018 when um, Freddie Kitchens took over as offensive coordinator and the Browns were running a, a ton of 12 personnel and were really, really successful out of it. And then that sort that formation for multiple reasons um, sort of disappeared in 2019. And, um, you know, that one of the really the only games I remember it really kind of flourishing was when the Browns somehow, it's crazy to think about that game, but when the Browns went into Baltimore and just dismantled the Ravens early on in the season, which is still insane that that, that, that happened last year. Um, I feel like that was one of the few games where they employed that sort of 12 personnel more than, than usual. And I, I, I think that um, Hooper is going to be a huge part of that. And, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how he performs. Obviously there's uh, the consistent knock on him is that, you know, he doesn't um, he's not great against man coverage, but you know, I don't think that's, that's obviously not what the Browns brought. They're going to play to his strengths. They're going to move him around. They're going to, you know, play him through zones and, and, and play actions and get him the ball. And I do think that like, as much as I love David and Joku, I've always been a David and Joku apologist. Like you can't, you cannot count on him. We have no idea what he's going to be. He's coming out of the doghouse and coming off of injuries and you just don't know what kind of production he's going to give you. And even though I'm optimistic about, you know, the player he can turn into and he's still so crazy young, I think like Austin Hooper is the guy at tight end right now. And for an offense that's going to revolve hopefully more around those tight ends and using those tight ends to sort of really open up this offense. I think Austin Hooper is, um, a huge piece of that. Obviously the Browns paid a good chunk of cash to get him here. So for me, um, you know, Austin Hooper, the same way that Nick Chubb is sort of going to be a focal point for that, that run base. I think Austin Hooper is going to be a huge focal point for just what this offense is going to try to do a lot. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, and Hooper's my fourth guy. So my next two are covered. We've knocked those out and you, you, you crushed everything about Hooper that needs to be important. And Baker loves him up the seams. And, and if you've watched Baker Mayfield since Oklahoma, dating back to his Mark Andrews connections, like mm-hmm. he, he loves throwing the football up the hash marks. And I think that like, even though they invested in Harrison Bryant, obviously, who I like a lot and like his future, and I still like David Njoku plenty, it tells you that they, they that just how valuable the position is to Stefanski that he would then go out and pay Hooper really high high dollar figures uh, over the next three years because they need stability. Like they just need a guy that they know on third and eight can run a ten yard dig route and catch the football. Like I just need to know if my quarterback puts it on him, the variables of him dropping this football are very low, and that's what they want. They wanted a guy that they know can catch the football, can get open in zone coverage, can be efficient enough as a blocker to get the job done. He's just he's he's good at everything. He's not he's not gonna. George Kittle block you, you know, into the ground or, or he's not going to, you know, you're not going to make any great cutups of him this year, probably for the check down about manhandling some of the line scrimmage, but he's good enough. He understands angles, right? He's not going to go, you know, run some ridiculous double move that just leaves somebody. He's just, he's, he's good enough. And I think that that is important for the position. And he's like, to me, a better Kyle Rudolph. And I think that that's what they really coveted. And then they have a guy in a similar mold who in Irv Smith, I think Njoku compares favorably to Irv Smith, even a better athlete and kind of close. I mean, ridiculously young still for the position too. So a lot of upside at that group. Um, And, and you, you articulated that very well. So, my first four have been covered. Um, if we say that my Owen oh, Odell, 
Chubb, you talked about Jedrick Wills, and then we just talked about Austin Hooper. That's my first four. You have uh, – give me your first three again, and then go on to your number four, unless we've already talked about your number four. Uh, yeah, we actually have. But also, okay. Jedrick was my number one. Odell slots in for me at number two. Austin Hooper at three. And then I'm going to – I was going to – I have Nick Chubb at number four. Um, so, okay. uh, you've already at length kind of described his importance uh, to the offense. So, we can uh, – I can, I can just hit number five and yep. – for, for me, you know, I've been banging this drum for a long time. I don't, I don't know why. Sometimes you, you find a player, you just sort of fall in love with him. You think his potential is gonna is gonna be there. He he shows you some flashes, and then you're like, all right, you're like it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Like I have been on the Richard Higgins train for uh, a very long time, um, and I I felt very I felt super validated in 2018 when Richard Higgins um, was one of the most efficient wide receivers. Uh, the entire NFL. Now, obviously, the sample size was smaller than some other guys that he was on that list with. But I think you, you saw in 2018 what Richard Higgins could be. And what's so interesting to me, too, uh, Jake, is that week one against the Titans last year, um, opening drive, a couple of huge two first downs to Richard Higgins, one on, I think what was like a third and 15, a really long down in distance um, that Baker went up the seam to him. And I think it got the Browns down to like the five, five yard line on that first drive where they scored and the offense looked amazing. And it was everything that we had hoped it was going to be. And then everything sort of fell apart from there. But um, you know, Richard got injured after that. I think he might've been injured from that game. Um, and then obviously we know, you know, there's competing stories about what happened, whether he refused to go into a game. And then I, you know, I've heard some stuff about, you know, behind the scenes, voicing his displeasure with the offense, just stuff that went on that was a mess. And it was a mess with David and Joku as well. Um, similar situations for those guys in terms of falling into Freddie Kitchen's doghouse. But I, I just think for an offense that has so many weapons and it's still, even though they've added to it, it feels similar to last year where you have Odell and you have Jarvis, and you have Nick Chubb. You know, now they're adding in Austin Hooper, like, and Kareem Hunt. Like, they have these crazy weapons on offense, sometimes so many that it can be a little overwhelming. And we talked about, like, Austin Hooper as this safety valve and this guy that is hopefully, like you said, like, on third and third and seven, like, just go run me an eight-yard dig and let me throw it to you and let's move the chains. Like, that to me is exactly what Rashard Higgins can be and what I thought he was going to be last year. Um and, I, you know, obviously this isn't all on the coaching staff in the doghouse. Like, I don't know, between the injuries and just he didn't make much of an impact when he did get back on the field last season. It just – he sort of just turned into a ghost. And for a guy that, you know, was always there when Baker needed a first down in 2018. And those two have spoken at length about their chemistry. They sort of built it when they were on the second team in training camp in 2018 before – uh, Baker replaced Tyrod Taylor like they were I remember every seemingly every day when they were running 11 on 11s Baker was throwing a touchdown to Richard like they have a connection that I think is very real and so uh, this year I think is really big uh, for Richard to be that guy again you can have Austin Hooper but you have your guys like Odell and Jarvis who are going to garner a ton of attention and Richard should just kind of have carte blanche to like go wherever he wants on the field like he should be a guy that's not going to get that attention and he's shown I think from that 2018 season that like he, he is a good route runner. Like he is that guy on a third down that's going to run a clean route and get open for you on a timing pattern. And 
uh, I'm really hopeful that that's what this is going to be. Um, I'm admittedly, as I sort of am with Njoku, a Richard Higgins apologist, I will admit my bias here openly. But I do think that he is a valuable guy. I think the numbers from 2018 back that up. And I think what he did in, the, in, in week one against Tennessee when he was fully healthy and the offense was kind of clicking, I think I don't think that stuff is a fluke. So I'm, I'm really intrigued, Jake, to see how Richard kind of comes back this season as sort of that – that third wide receiver, that slack guy, especially when they drafted Donovan Peoples Jones, like he's got to put up, you know, like he's got to, he's got to show out or else he's, you know, he's not going to be here very much longer. He does. He does. And I, I, how big of a disaster 2019 was, I, I don't know. I'd like to be able to figure that out from multiple sources, but, but for a guy that we thought was going to produce and, and what he turned into and then like, Finding the field, making a game-winning catch against Buffalo it was just yeah. such, oh, yeah. a, it was such a bizarre season. I, I, yeah. I truly don't understand it. And uh, 2020 hopefully paints a clear picture. Now, how much Richard gets on the field is, is uh, a third wide receiver in this offense. I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. how much he plays. But it is nice to know that two of your wide receivers coming off of surgery, that you have a guy who can play. And I think that Stefanski and the group would not have – hung on to Higgy if it was a as bad last year as some people say from his end or, or, or B and I know they signed him to a very small contract, but they could have, they could have signed anybody and they could have to, if they have Taylor, Taylor, they could have played. No, they wanted him back and they made it work. So um, I'm fascinated. And I think Richard will always be somebody who endears himself more to fans than his actual play is valued, but yes, that's okay. Absolutely. You know, that's okay. Hopefully he can continue to find a niche here in Cleveland, but my, my fifth guy is Jarvis. I think, I think Jarvis has to come back, and uh, if you looked at, at, at what Adam Thielen's role was last year, he went through a, an injury issue last year, but when he was playing, man, a guy who can run the under routes, the crossing routes, some double moves downfield, you know, Adam Thielen's not the fastest guy in the world, but, man, that guy can route you up, and that's what Jarvis can do. Again, in, in this offensive structure where, you know, a guy who can, who can make people lose people in certain routes and make tough catches and contested catches downfield, which is an important part – of, of a guy bootlegging back in the opposite direction. I need Jarvis to be healthy. He is the engine that, and I, you can, you, people can deny this all they want, but even when they've had nobody around him and even when they had Odell around him, that guy still drives the engine of the spirit of the offense. I don't, that, that sounds really dumb the way I said it, but like he's somehow like this dude that everybody rallies behind and he brings that bravado and he brings a sort of, uh, leadership role, whether his leadership is spoken or just sort of an example, he brings a good mixture of both. And there's sometimes dudes on your football team where you're like, I don't really know, man. He just has it. And it, it, it raises the uh, atmosphere of people around him. And I need him to be healthy and they need 16 more games out of him and catching the football consistently as he has. And, and uh, he's just good. Like he's not great. He's not going to run away from people. We know what his limitations are, but I'm happy he's in Cleveland. I'm happy he's a Brown. And I think he could be really good as a secondary piece in this offense. And, um, you know, if he's working with tight ends on the field, I think it'll be even better for him. And like I said, giving him more time to develop downfield routes, making multiple cuts will be good for him too. So that's my five on offense. So that's it guys. Those are our offensive focused uh, five most important, five most valuable, however you want to phrase it. Those are guys we think are important to the Browns winning in 2020. If they have good seasons, Browns, we think, ultimately have 
uh, a successful season too. So this is part one. We are going to actually jump into defense later. We, we started recording this thing and then we're like, uh, this is going to run like an hour and a half if we keep going. So we'll cut it into two. We've got offense to, in this pod. And then if you want to hear defense, we'll be on next week uh, that you can jump on and listen to the defense too. Cause that's a, that's a wild card. There could be a lot of different answers in terms of, of the defense in terms of like, they just got a lot of random pieces that, that I, I'm very fascinated to know who Jordan thinks is the most important parts of that defense. So this was a blast, Jordan. Thanks for joining me, man. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you next week. Yeah, man. Excited to do defense with you. And um, yeah, it's good to, it's just good to talk some football, you know, to just take some time and uh, think about the Browns and the, the excitement of the upcoming season. So this was fun. Yeah. Between the worldwide pandemic and then, you know, the, 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 the things that we all hope are changing and, and actions are actually actually happening. It is good to just sort of think about the things that, you know, give you some fun every now and again. And well, the Browns give us some fun, but they, you know, more torture, whatever, but <laughs> either way, my friend, this was good. And, um, and, and hopefully you guys jump back in and join us next week when we do defense. And I appreciate all the support you give us here at the OBR. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, a reminder that we had Greedy Williams film room up 680 snaps uh, of, of evaluation that you can you can check out all of the insights on who he is as a player. Um, I think that's worth your time to figure out how the Browns rookie corner went, uh, his season went, and we appreciate it. Tons of things up on on the website. Make sure you're going there checking us out. We will have some YouTube stuff up finally next week. You can give that a check out too. Maybe a little bit on Stefanski's run game and all that good stuff. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate your support. Make sure you're leaving us a review on iTunes, checking out all the other Blue Wire podcasts. There's some great stuff on there. And uh, thanks for, again, thanks for joining us. And until we talk again, go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.